after all the arrangements that circumstances permitted had been made for the defence of the capital, the old men returned to their respective homes and, fully prepared to die, awaited the coming of the enemy. Those who had filled curule offices resolved to meet their fate wearing the insignia of their former rank and honour and distinctions. They put on the splendid dress which they wore when conducting the chariots of the gods or riding in triumph through the city, and, thus arrayed, they seated themselves in their ivory chairs in front of their houses. Some writers record that, led by M. Fabius, the Pontifex Maximus, they recited the solemn formula in which they devoted themselves to death for their country and the Quirites. As the Gauls were refreshed by night's rest after a battle which had at no point been seriously contested, and as they were not now taking the city by assault or storm, their entrance the next day was not marked by any signs of excitement or anger. Passing the Colleen Gate, which was standing open, they came to the Forum and gazed round at the temples and at the citadel, which alone wore any appearance of war. They left there a small body to guard against any attack from the citadel or capital whilst they were scattered, and then they dispersed in quest of plunder through streets in which they did not meet a soul. Some poured in a body into all the houses near, others made for the most distant ones, expecting to find them untouched and full of spoils. Appalled by the very desolation of the place, and dreading lest some stratagem should surprise the stragglers, they returned to the neighbourhood of the Forum in close order. The houses of the plebeians were barricaded, the halls of the patricians stood open, but they felt greater hesitation about entering the open houses than those which were closed. They gazed with feelings of real veneration upon the men who were seated in the porticos of their mansions, not only because of the superhuman magnificence of their apparel and their whole bearing and demeanour, but also because of the majestic expression of their countenances, wearing the very aspect of gods. So they stood, gazing at them as if they were statues, till, as it is asserted, one of the patricians, M. Papirius, roused the passion of a Gaul who began to stroke his beard, which in those days was universally worn long, by smiting him on the head with his ivory stuff. He was the first to be killed— the others were butchered in their chairs. After this slaughter of the magnates, no living being was thenceforth spared. The houses were rifled, and then set on fire. Now, whether it was that the Gauls were not all animated by a passion for the destruction of the city, or whether their chiefs had decided on the one hand to present the spectacle of a few fires as a means of intimidating the besieged into surrender from a desire to save their homes, and on the other by abstaining from a universal conflagration hold what remained of the city as a pledge by which to weaken their enemy's determination— Certain it is that the fires were far from being so indiscriminate or so extensive as might be expected on the first day of a captured city. As the Romans beheld from the citadel the city filled with the enemy, who were running about in all the streets while some new disaster was constantly occurring, first in one quarter, then in another, they could no longer control their eyes and ears, let alone their thoughts and feelings. 
In whatever direction their attention was drawn by the shouts of the enemy, the shrieks of the women and boys, the roar of the flames, and the crash of houses falling in, thither they turned their eyes and minds as though set by fortune to be spectators of their country's fall, powerless to protect anything left of all they possessed beyond their lives. Above all others who have ever stood a siege, were they to be pitied, cut off as they were from the land of their birth, and seeing all that had been theirs in the possession of the enemy. The day which had been spent in such misery was succeeded by a night not one whit more restful, this again by a day of anguish. There was not a single hour free from the sight of some ever fresh calamity." And yet, though weighed down and overwhelmed with so many misfortunes, they had watched everything laid low in flame and ruin. They did not for a moment relax their determination to defend by their courage the one spot still left to freedom, the hill which they held, however small and poor it might be.